This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Richard and myself with you on the 26th of December, where we have been looking at what the must-have gifts were for Christmas. Spoiler, cheese. More on that to come. We've been speaking to Rami Kahali, who's the CEO of Joy Gifts. We've also been looking at why 1st of January is a big date in the tax calendar with Addison Unan. He is the head of tax for ADCB. And as you will hear in a very special separate podcast about our first ever Christmas guest editor, Professor Dame Heather McGregor of Harriet Watt University. All of that, plus Richard has been looking at burnout. The numbers for the UAE are not good. He's been speaking to one corporate wellness expert. Quick question. When you get a message saying Merry Christmas and a family photograph or a load of emojis coming in on your WhatsApp, on your text message on Christmas Day, Richard Dean, do you think, oh, they're thinking of me, that's really lovely? Or do you think they've just sent that to everyone in their inbox? Oh, completely the latter. Am I being cynical? But it's just utterly meaningless and pointless. Some of mine had my name in them. Yeah, some of mine did as well. Yeah, yeah, for all of these occasions, whatever it may be. Are you the person who, or I'm going to guess you're not the person who initiates the, because there's always, there's one who messages and there's one who replies to the message, isn't there? There are the initiators amongst us for Christmas messages and there are those who just respond. I'm guessing you're a responder. Well, if, I, a, if, if even a responder. Oh, I don't never respond. No, don't reply. It just encourages these people. Um, no, I just, I find it genuinely pointless. The, uh, someone once told me, I don't know who it was, a wise man or woman once said, the value that you attach as the recipient to any communication is directly proportional to the amount of effort that someone has put into sending it. What do you so want, a carrier pigeon? If someone sent me a handwritten note, I would think, that's very nice. Thank you very much indeed. But a copy-pasted WhatsApp is worse than nothing. Oh, no, I'm just going to bar humbug. I... I do look and think, oh, more about the ones that actually have my name in them. For those that are the ones that have generally been sent out en masse, I think, did you send that to everyone? Because in my phone book, that is going to be about 47 delivery drivers (laughs) where you've had to send a location pin or whatever. And so you've had, you know, when someone's delivering Mm. something and you have to put them in the WhatsApp in order to send the pin. Um, So (laughs) there would be literally 30% would be delivery. Uh, But. No, I'm not that. There's still a few, actually, that I woke up um, this morning for. Uh, I went to bed a little bit earlier than your average bear because of the show this morning um, that I have not yet responded to. I respond. The reason I bring this up is because um, in the States, at least, this is the busiest day. Well, yesterday was um, Christmas um, for text messages. AT&T, big wireless carrier, um, say, and T-Mobile as well, another big wireless carrier, um, say that it is the busiest day for people to send messages to each other. Region by region, the way people message changes. I can't get the New Zealanders onto WhatsApp for love of trying. They are text message people because it's baked into the plans that most people have. Um, And the US, I would argue, is still a bit more text message than WhatsApp. We're very heavy um, WhatsApp here, but it is the big day for messages. Guess the second busiest day for text messages in the US? I'm going to say Valentine's Day. New Year's. Is that? Okay, fair enough. But I would suspect that Valentine's Day is going to run up there in the top. Thanksgiving will be up there as well. Big deal in the United States. 
And you could just tell when someone sent you a personal message and when it's a copy-paste. You just can. You can. Oh, yeah. No, you can. The other question that and I really... the posy family photo. You're not the queen. <laughs> oh. Soft focus, kids looking perfectly groomed, sitting there nicely, slightly stiff, clearly wanting to go out and play in the mud instead. Preferably from an exotic holiday that you've taken at some point during the year. Look at us in Prague. Yeah. I know, exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've got... Lit- he's back, but he's still got his uh, curmudgeonly argumentative side, and I'm very pleased. And therefore... Therefore what? I want to throw one more question at you in just a moment. Can I just first of all throw the, the, the photograph that I saw of you on your social media, not just yesterday um, on LinkedIn, but also this morning on your Instagram stories, uh, which is of a small baby in a Santa costume preparing for the business breakfast with your company Dubai Eye branded laptop. I've only been away a month. Is there something you want to tell me? Yeah, quite. Well, you know, the the interns are getting younger. Uh, No, not my baby. Borrowed baby. Um, Ah. Baby, yes, in Santa costume. Um, As for about four minutes, um, children were dressed up yesterday. Um, But yeah, I I did pop a picture of baby with laptop as I was prepping it's very cute and it is on brandy's uh, linkedin page at the moment if you want to have a look at that not my baby but may steal here um tell me what you think of this before we get into the proper news though macy's department store mm. you uh, manhattan 34th street us the the biggie biggie macy's they've always had a center express lane because to get to center you have to walk through for about an hour the christmas land if you like that they center land that they set up past, I don't know, elves, candy canes, probably things for sale and all the rest of it. And then you get to centre, you have your meet and greet, you sit on his lap or not, depending, a photo is taken, etc. They've always had an express lane that you can book where you don't have to do all the walking malarkey through the winter wonderland. You just go straight to centre, get the photo and disappear. Um, They took it out in uh, COVID because queuing. Um, well, they took out centre, I think, for the for, for summer COVID as well. Um, and they're not bringing the express lane back. So you can't book an appointment to speed up everything and just go for the centre shot. You have to queue with everybody else. Egalitarian centres. They want to, and I quote, maximise holiday chair. Everyone gets the same. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. Doesn't matter how early you or somebody working for you woke up to reserve a slot. You're all walking through the winter wonderland and no one is good enough to save time on that. What do we think? I think it's, it's not going to appeal to the Saudi market. <laughs> no! Centre's I... the same for everybody, boys and girls. No one gets special treatment. Oh, oh no. Just I... Do you think you should be able to pay to speed centre up or not? Yes, absolutely. Or book early, because I think actually it's a, a booking thing more than a, a, a payment thing. It's a get-a-slot thing, but not. To the point that... In fact, I was thinking this week with, with my kids, however time, well, let's go to some theme parks uh, because, you know, there's loads around at the moment. Obviously, in the UAE, we're blessed with them. It's more theme park weather than, than water park weather for me at the moment. And we're only going to ones where you can buy the fast pass. We refuse to go if there isn't one. I'm just not because we went. OK, a while ago, we went to see... Um, People will hate me for this. We don't do the swimming with the dolphins at an aquarium. And as part of that, you get a free pass to the adjoining water park. I'm not going to name the one, but you can guess which one it is. But it was the slow pass, not the fast pass. We did two rides all day. 
It's 45 minutes to queue for each one. It's, I'm just not doing this. I'd rather be at home watching Netflix. I'd rather go out for lunch. I'd rather read a book than stand for 45 minutes to do a 45-second water park ride. I just, it's just no point. Therefore, the only theme parks we go to are ones where we can have the fast pass. And, you know, it means you go less because it's expensive. But I'd rather go once a year with a fast pass than four times a year and queue up. That would be my view on queuing. I either pay to jump the queue or not at all. Macy's would ask, what are you teaching your children? And they're absolutely right. They're, They're dead right. But I'm 51. I'm not doing it. Ski resorts annoy me because they don't have fast pass. Life. (laughs) (laughs) This is getting worse, isn't it? Thankfully, we've got a life coach coming in in about half an hour's time. We've got Kai Simmons joining us live in the studio. Levels of burnout in the GCC are higher than elsewhere in the world. One in three GCC residents say they've experienced symptoms of burnout. Uh, She is joining us, Kai Simmons. Are you equating burnout to having to queue to get on a water slide? No, I'm saying that people who (laughs) refuse to queue probably need some lessons in terms of how to deal with life rather than living life in the fast lane or the slow lane. This metaphor is getting very mixed now. Help me out here, Brandy Scott. Oh, it's Boxing Day. We're all full of cheese. And indeed, uh, cheese shall be a discussion point this morning. It has apparently been a must-have gift for Christmas. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Let's look at the economics of the holiday season now. Rami Kahale is the CEO of Joy Gifts, online retailer, based here in the UAE and also in Saudi Arabia with us in the studio. Rami, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me again and happy festive season. Thank you very much indeed. It's kind of you to come in on the 26th of December. Busy time for you. We'll get on to what people are buying in a moment. But first of all, one of the things you have noticed at Joy Gifts around the region is a slightly subdued mood for for understandable reasons what's happening in the region. Tell us a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're all saddened and devastated by uh, the current events that are unfolding in the region. People are not in the most celebratory mood in general. But what we've seen is, despite this, uh, gifting is still an act of kindness and it's a way to show love to to loved ones and people you care about. And the gifting is, is ongoing, although in general people are not in the most of celebratory of, uh, of moods. That's what we've seen. Okay, well, let's get on to what people are buying this year. You say floral arrangements are doing really, really well. That's about a third of your festive gift this season. But the big surprise in 2023, Brandy Scott is being DJ this morning, and the <laughs> big surprise has been the boom in this. Whatever cheese that pleases you. They're all kind of yellow, except for blue. Ooh, ooh, lots and lots of cheese. Ooh, ooh, cheese platters, Rami. Why is everyone gifting cheese? Yes, everyone's in love with cheese this season. Um, it's always been a good selling uh, kind of category for us. I think uh, we've expanded our category to work with more merchants that provide cheese platters. Uh, I don't know. This is a trend. Um, you know, we've, we, we've done some nice baskets as well, some nice, uh, you know, uh, grape, grape juice to, to accompany, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the whole uh, package. And I think people were just in the mood to, uh, you know, celebrate. Perhaps more people were celebrating at home and it's a good gift 
to take to friends while you're invited to a, to a gathering on a on, uh, on festive season. What are the log- logistics of delivering a perishable item like cheese that has to be refrigerated either here in Dubai or in Saudi Arabia? Massive market for you. Absolutely. And uh, we, you know, this is, uh, cheese is a very perishable item. So we have specialized fridges that we actually use only for such items. So when we get them from our, our suppliers, they're usually dispatched within you know, not more than an hour from when they're received. So orders come in, they come into our warehouse. Within one hour, we try to dispatch them to uh, to fulfill the orders. Flowers, a big deal for you. You say it is the biggest category for you. What are people buying? People, so I have to give credit in in part to, to our awesome selection. Our florist did uh, an amazing job uh, this year with our special festive season collection. And I think that's uh, uh, one of the reasons why we've seen such success with flowers. And I think uh, just generally there's been a trend of, of uh, more specialized uh, flowers, you know, for, for various occasions and festive se- season being one of them. Whereas I remember two, three years ago, there wasn't anything interesting that flower shops such as ourselves or others were doing around this uh, the season, uh, unlike what you would usually see in the U.K., and so it was a big a big hit for us this year. Just pick them up at a petrol station, Rami. Surely that will get the job done, uh, will it not? Not so much. That's exactly <laughs> what people don't want to be gifting on, on, on Christmas Eve. Petrol what, station uh, flowers. What, what's the typical amount that people are spending? I know you track these metrics, don't you? Yeah, we do. So uh, this this year we, we've seen, uh, you know, our, our AOV has been in line with last year. Sorry, Sorry good slight bit increase. of jargon there. What's an AOV? Uh, average order value. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the lingo. But that's the average basket size, essentially, average basket value. And we've typically seen, uh, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, 80 to 90 dollars around this this season. Okay, fine. What's the split between individuals giving gifts and corporate gifts? So we're, you know, the, the, the B2C remains, you know, our platform, our application remains our top kind of channel. Uh, more and more, the, you know, corporate has, has grown. It's It constitutes... Less than a third of our overall business. So somewhere, you know, depending on the season. In December, we, we're we reaching a third because it's a festive season, obviously. So we do, do see a growth in sales compared to the average month, uh, like the summer where corporate is is, is, is quite low. People are not around. Uh, but I would say, you know, during festive seasons, it's typically a third for corporate. You say customizable gifts are booming at the moment, but that means that you as an organization have to invest in the machines that will customize things. What kind of things do people want customized? So all sorts of things. We've, we've seen, uh, for example, you know, perfume bottles that we sell uh, that people ask if we can engrave initials, and those are not capabilities we historically had, but more and more we've seen the trend. This is something we're going to be investing in. So we're investing in some machinery uh, to have this in-house, whereas whatever we historically we provided that was customizable you know there was a lead time then you know the merchant required an additional 24 hours and you lose the opportunity because people are looking for things now 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 and by having this capability in-house we can engrave all sorts of things on on different uh items uh even you know uh what the possibilities of what we can do with customized cakes as well this is something we can do, uh, we would be able to do in-house. So we're very excited about that. And hopefully that's coming in Q1. One thing that you launched, I was researching this interview, and I think you spoke to us about it at the time, Valentine's Day last year, that's your busiest day, you launched NFTs 
Yes. When they were all the rage. That was nearly two years ago. My guess was you're probably not selling a lot of NFTs <laughs> this Christmas, but you tell me. Uh, we, we're not selling. It's something we, we've done and, and we wanted to experiment with. It was quite successful. And we've seen, you know, that time when we launched it during Valentine's Day. It did quite well. It's just strategically something we decided not to focus on immediately, but it is in the pipeline. It is one of those projects that sometime in the future you'll see resurfacing at Joy. We just needed to, you know, pick our priorities for now. Uh, finally, what's in store from a, on a corporate level for you in 2024? Again, I was reading about your last round of fundraising. There was some pre-Series B, I think it was, fundraising a year or two ago. We know the fundraising market is globally is, is in a subdued phase of the cycle at the moment. So with your CEO's hat on, what are you going to be focusing on in 2024 for Joy Gifts? Absolutely. So we're a startup and we rely on, on external funding uh, from VCs and, and uh, you know, strategic success. Now, we envisioned that we would be launching our Series B funding. This is, you know, we've, we've done a Series A back in uh, Q4 of 2021. Uh, but what we decided is to put that on pause and focus on shorter-term fundraising, like convertible through convertible notes, uh, while we focus on turning the business profitable. So that's been a strategic initiative of ours. And, uh, you know, our burn rate has been slashed by more than 60%. And we expect uh, to turn profitable in Q1. Is We're that very a, excited about that. Is that a sea change as, as a, the CEO of a startup? And you've been in the investment banking for a long time. Your founders are veterans of the, of the Gulf VC space. Do you sense that sea change from being a land grab for market share and top line growth to path to profitability? We do. We, we've seen this trend and we've seen companies. Uh, everyone, everyone is in need of, uh, dire need of fundraising right now. And the companies that are getting funded are the ones that can show significant growth while also uh, not having to burn a whole lot of money. So uh, we're luckily enough, we are in a position to, to achieve that, uh, that ambition and we're, we're on track. Rami, going to let you go because I know New Year's Eve is a busy time for you, particularly in Saudi Arabia, right? Absolutely. Uh, we were really surprised last year. We, we almost did double the volumes of, of UAE. Go figure in Saudi. Best of luck with that. Rami Kahale is the CEO of Joy Gifts. Appreciate you joining us live in the studio, Rami. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Tax Tuesdays on the Business Breakfast. With VirtuZone. Get tax ready for free at taxready.ie. Right. Let's look at getting tax ready because there is a new deadline in town. January the 1st, a big day for corporate tax here in the UAE. We're going to find out why now with Addison Yunan, who is the head of taxation for ADCB, Abu Dhabi Commercial Bank. Uh, it's lovely to speak to you, Edison. Good morning. Good morning, Brandy. How are you? I am well. Tell me, January 1st, why is that marked on our calendars tax-wise? Absolutely. So most entities have a 31 December year-end uh, across the UAE. And so although the tax commenced from 1 June 2023, it's for financial periods commencing on or after that date. So as most entities have a 31 December year-end, uh, 1 January will basically be the commencement date for corporate tax for those entities. Right. So this is the real starting gun. Is that what you're saying? Well, for most organisations, yes, absolutely. What, yes. what will they gain from having watched for the last six months those that have had a, a different accounting year start off? What's the benefit? The benefit, I guess, uh, you've got a, a bit more time to prepare. So although you know the, the start date is 1 January for most entities, there has been a lot of preparation work that's been undertaken before the commencement. 
to make sure that you're ready. And so I guess if you've got a year round at 31 December, you've got a lot more time to prepare for the start date. Have they prepared? Uh, for those you are speaking to as the head of tax at ADCB, what have you witnessed? Uh, so for myself, we've, we've gone through a process. Uh, it's probably taken five or six months uh, to not just analyse the law and interpret the law and, and make sure we, we know exactly how it works for ADCB, but also getting ready from a, uh, I guess, a corporate structure perspective, you know, amending legal arrangements, legal agreements, uh, make sure our systems and process are ready so that uh, come 1 January 2024, we're basically ready to go. So what should companies have been putting in place when it comes to those legal structures? Absolutely. So, so you know, n- nothing untoward or nothing, you know, anything out of the boundaries, but there are certain things that, for example, when you're looking at legal arrangements between related parties, uh, prior to the corporate tax, uh, especially within the UAE, it didn't really matter what arrangements they were in place, especially if they were wholly owned subsidiaries or, you know, there were shareholders or directors. But now with uh, transfer pricing, which is a large component of corporate tax, those transactions do need to be undertaken on an arm's length basis. And so what that means is basically you're dealing with a it's, – it's like you're dealing with a third party. And so those type of legal arrangements, those type of uh, transactions and so forth would have to be looked at. Um, And so from our perspective, we've gone through that process and make sure, I guess, from a legal arrangements and documentation perspective, we're ready to go. Talk to me about transfer pricing as assessments and that whole area, because for a lot of companies here, it might be the first time that they have had to do um, those uh, those sort of assessments and that accounting. Talk us through what we're talking about. Yeah, so so what we're really talking about here is, I mean, the whole purpose of transfer pricing is that you're not shifting profits to a jurisdiction that's got a lower tax rate, and so. You would have seen post the global financial crisis uh, in 2009, there are a lot of entities that were transferring and shifting profits to zero tax uh, jurisdictions. And so transfer pricing is basically a mechanism in place to ensure that you're not shifting profits from one jurisdiction to another. Um, and so now that we're coming into corporate tax, it does matter for, for the UAE, um, both from an income side and an expense side. And, and, and so those legal arrangements will be looked at um, and there are disclosures that you'll need to make. So all related party transactions uh, as defined, and it's quite broad, it's very broad, the definition, will need to be lodged and and submitted to the Federal Tax Authority so they will know about those transactions. What are the potential potholes here that companies could fall into? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, if there's... the, The definition of related parties is quite broad. And so I think step number one, for, from a transfer pricing perspective, you need to define who is a related party. And, and so I think one of the potholes would be missing out who uh, might be classified as related parties, but you think nothing of it. And, and so those type of transactions, although legally would be caught, you probably miss out on. So I think doing a really good assessment around who a related party is, um, is probably step number one to ensure that you're not, you know, uh, undisclosing certain transactions to the tax authorities. Uh, and we've got some, you know, I'm presuming penalties in place for, for those who do misrepresent this this area of their business. That's absolutely right. So the power that the tax authority has, apart from, 
you know, subjecting the entity to penalties is restructuring the transaction so that um, as they see what would have been taken undertaken with a third party, so they can reprice transactions and and basically deem those transactions to be um, done as if it was done on a third party with a third party. Sorry. Okay. Are you watching amongst the clients of ADCB? Are you watching people take care of this in house, or are you watching them outsource it? That's a good question. Um, I think at this point in time, um, I, dare I say, there's been a lot of um, interaction with external. Uh, tax advisors um, and so there's been a big reliance on that but I think over time that will change um, the more I guess tax professionals come into the region or they're, they're trained um, internally within within the organizations and the more experience and knowledge uh, people will get I think they'll that would be a role more undertaken in-house as opposed to going external. Okay, we've got about two minutes left with you. Um, I'm going to bring in Richard Dean to throw one of our headlines of the morning at you, which is uh, to do with individuals rather than corporates, but still corporate tax. Yeah, this is a story that broke on the official news agency WAM on Sunday. And this is what it says. The Federal Tax Authority has issued a new guide outlining the criteria to determine natural persons subject to the corporate tax law. It says it is instructions for natural persons realising income in the UAE if their turnover, if his turnover as an individual exceeds a million dirhams. Now, I've looked on the FTA website. I can't find the guide. I can't find any more information about it. But it's that natural persons thing, Addison, that frankly scares me. <laughs> scares a lot of people, Richard. So, no, absolutely, that's correct. I mean, the the word corporate tax is a little bit misleading. It's more of a business profit tax. And so it does apply to natural persons in certain circumstances, in particular, where that natural person is undertaking a business activity. So something like a sole trader. Uh, in those instances, when their turnover, gross turnover is over a, over a million dirhams, then that income will also be subject to what we call corporate tax. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Our tax expert this morning, Edison Union, Head of Tax for ADCB. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. It is a Tuesday morning, 26th of December, almost but not quite time for those New Year's resolutions. One of them will be how do you avoid stress and burnout in 2024? Joining us in the studio is the corporate wellness expert, Kai Simmons. So data from the likes of McKinsey show us that... One in three GCC residents say that they have experienced symptoms of burnout. That's more than the global average, which is one in four. And as we head to 2024, what are you seeing? Yeah, and um, it's interesting because you see these surveys from different companies like McKinsey, Deloitte, Gallup. Um, but when I actually do the sessions with the corporates and I give them internal surveys, the numbers are actually much higher. So um, we're seeing either a rise or it's staying kind of where it is, which, you know, it's not good. We want to we get better at these things. So a sceptical Business Breakfast listener, and believe me, they are a sceptical bunch, will say this is just all soft nonsense. Pull yourself together, get on with it. Work isn't supposed to be easy. What do you say? 
Um, I say there's, there's, it's not about work being easy, but work, there are tools and there are tips and there are different exercises where it doesn't have to be so stressful. And what I really focus on is like productivity. So when you're stressed, um, the first thing that goes is your immune system. You're probably going to get sick. You're going to be tired. So um, besides the fact of work having to be easy, it's, you should be productive, right? We should be able to perform and we should be able to get results. And when you're stressed, um, that's not really happening. <laughs> So what do you do? Some of the work that you do is is private. You're a, a yoga teacher as well as a wellness expert. You've got various qualifications for doing this kind of stuff. But we're the business breakfast. So let's talk about the work that you do on a corporate level. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, the component that I see is missing a lot with the corporate wellness is the education part. We're seeing a lot of people saying, oh, go for a walk, take a breath, these things, which are great. But for someone who's skeptical, who I was the most skeptical person about all of these things initially, I'm like, take a take a breath, take a walk. Why? I didn't really believe in it. But when I understood why it's helping me deal with my stress and kind of like the mechanics of our body and the effects of it, then I was like, oh, okay. So by walking, I can check in with my nervous system and I can regulate my stress. So for me, it's both providing education. I'm a former teacher. So, you know, I always like to teach and get people to understand what stress really is and then give them the tools and the tips and the different exercises, which for me, it's about incorporating into your day, not you know, taking three, four months off going to a wellness retreat. That's great, but I don't think it's very feasible for a lot of people, especially a lot of the working professionals here in the GCC. Having just spent a month at a wellness retreat, I could tell you it's a wonderful thing. It's <laughs> amazing, my, amazing. It's my first day back. Amazing. But, but it is, it's, it's a luxury that not many people have, and I was very fortunate to get to do that. Let's talk about the kind of things that people can do on a on a day to day basis to manage stress and burnout in the workplace. Yeah, I think the first thing I always tell people is like it's very important to like create little spaces in between. Like, let's say you have a meeting, just give yourself 10 minutes in between check in with yourself. That's one thing. I know this is so overused, but it's because it works. But gratitude in the morning, that's like the first thing. And that's one of the biggest things. I always focus on the 1%. So if you do 1% every day, it builds up over time and we're looking at things like the compound effect. So really what I kind of do is I give people like a toolbox. I'm like, here's your toolkit. And I tell them, pick what works for you. So gratitude is something super easy. Of course, I know we're talking about meditation, um, yoga, but again, these things are not for everyone. So when I'm working with corporates, I kind of introduce them. I give them the 101 or the ABCs and one, two, threes of you know different things. And then I tell them, pick one or two things that you can do every day and just pick five to 10 minutes. That's it. That's it. So that's really where I start, like small steps. But I really like to personalize things for people. So for Ahmed, it might be yoga in the morning, but for Sarah, it might be gratitude in the evening yeah. and so on and so exactly. forth. Exactly. It's not a one size fits all. But when I'm there, I get to kind of introduce them to these different things that might seem overwhelming because they are very overwhelming getting into wellness. What does this cost for an organization? There'll be business owners, there'll be HR managers listening in saying, OK, fine, I buy into the principle of this. But clearly you're running a business. Yeah. You charge for this. Others like you charge for this. You can point to the productivity gains yep. afterwards. What kind of investment are we talking about into 2024 at an entry yeah. level for a corporate? Yeah. So, I mean, even if we're just looking at the market price, if you go to a yoga class here in, in Dubai, you know, the average price is around 100 dirhams. So thinking that someone, you know, like me would charge, you know, around 100, 150 dirhams per person, right? Because you're getting it tailored, you're getting customized. And then usually that's kind of how myself or other wellness experts is, you know, it's it's kind of per person or packages. But the also the other thing that I also tell people is like, it's not a one time thing. And it, if you come and you have yoga for one day, 
nothing's really going to happen. Just like if you go to gym for one day, it's great for you, but you're not going to get that six pack. So um, I will say it's quite an investment. We're looking in the thousands of dollars because for me and my approach is I'm not coming for a one-off session. If I'm investing and if you're ready to really, truly invest in your employees and their well-being, it's going to take one more than one session. So, yeah, we're looking at, again, it depends on the rates. But, again, a couple of sessions over the courses of a month, yeah, it's around maybe, let's say, 1000 to $3,000. And, again, based on what they need. But I really don't do one-off sessions, so no, and I, that's and I, not my... And, and I get that. But in terms of those productivity gains... You quoted research from the likes of McKinsey. Yeah. They look at these things. It was, I think it was the McKinsey Wellness Institute mm-hmm. that did this, which looks at the intersection of wellness and corporate performance yep. being McKinsey. What's the payoff? The well, ROI, if yeah. you like. Well, they, look, I look at different things. So another um, survey that I looked is um, a poll by recently done by Gallup. And it actually said that 21% of people feel productive at work. And the rest are just living for the weekend. So that's a scary statistic. Another thing I look at is when it comes to recruitment and talent, these days, especially if you look at Gen Z, they're not looking for just a higher you know, um, salary. They're looking for work-life balance. We see companies like Google, Nike, Microsoft investing in their employees' well-being. And these companies are growing and outperforming other companies who, who aren't. So it's kind of a whole package. It's not just about productivity as far as numbers, but we're looking at long-term. What companies do you want to invest in? What companies do you want to work with? Um, and again, these companies that provide um, employee well-being packages in their programs, that's attracting the higher talent pool. So it's things like that recruitment, retention, as well as it's kind of hard with with productivity because it's different for each company. So there's not really a a lot of that. But I do quote that one survey, which I will repeat again, it said 21% of people are consider themselves productive at work, according to Gallup. Kai, sun is rising here in Dubai and the UAE this morning. We'll let you get to the beach, which is just across the road to do your sunrise yoga. But for now, appreciate you joining us today. Kai Simmons is a corporate wellness expert based here in Dubai. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.